The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast. This week I interview Laura Joseph, MS, who is a certified life coach, nutritionist and mental health advocate living in Connecticut. She has years of experience assisting clients in their journeys towards change by working together to peel back the layers, embrace vulnerability and understand the behavioural and emotional factors that contribute to individual struggles. She currently works um, as the customer success manager at Task Human, a one-on-one live video wellness coaching app where she works to share her love for holistic health and wellness with the world. In her free time, Laura loves to work out, write, travel, relax on the beach, and spend time with friends and family. Well, I love relaxing on the beach and spending time with friends and family, so I think we definitely have some stuff in common there, uh, as well as um, struggling with OCD. And that's a big part of the reason um, that Laura is coming onto the podcast. She has a really interesting uh, story to tell about her own struggles with um, with OCD that were initially based around uh, relationship OCD, but also went into other areas of her life as well. And, and Laura, you know, she's very open about um, her experiences. Uh, she, she tells us all about... Um, her, her time with uh, working with therapists um, that initially weren't actually that helpful um, until she came across a therapist that she really knew in her heart was the right therapist for her. And then everything began to change. Uh, she really began to see OCD in a different light. She began to understand it and she began to understand the behaviors that were keeping her trapped. And uh, I think you'll find it's a, it's a really interesting conversation because of Laura's willingness to really describe the difficulties of, of you know, of having, of having OCD and, um, you know, some of the biggest obstacles to overcoming it. Um, because these days, I think she's doing really well. Um, you know, like everyone with OCD, we have to kind of be careful and, and uh, you know, we have to look out for it and, and keep managing it. Um, but it sounds like today she's in a really good place and, you know, she really wants to share her story with the rest of the world. So uh, I really hope you enjoy it and uh, please let me know what, what you think. Okay, so one more thing before we get going. Uh, if you'd like some support with your OCD and anxiety, on my website I have a, a free mini course and uh, it goes into loads of detail about um, tips for how to accept anxiety um, about how you can start diffusing and unhooking from difficult thoughts. And I tell you quite a lot about my story of, of anxiety and OCD and how I managed to, to overcome it. If you're interested in doing that course, all you need to do is go to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. 
And uh, all you need to do is add your email and then you have access to that course. Many thanks and I really hope you enjoy the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Fantastic. So um, to start off with, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Yeah. So my name is Laura Joseph. Um, I live in Connecticut and I work in digital health currently. So I am the customer success manager at a one-on-one wellness coaching app. I have a degree, master's degree in nutrition and a, I'm a certified life coach as well. Um, and I live in New England. I um, am a big fan of traveling. I'm, my dad lives in Jamaica, so I'm part Jamaican. So I have all, you know, a little mix going on. Um, and about four years ago, I was diagnosed with OCD. Okay, great. And uh, so it, it took a long time for you to get your diagnosis. Did you, did you struggle with OCD for quite some time without knowing actually what it was? Yes. And unfortunately, I think that that's the typical way that this works. Um, it took me about 10 years from the beginning of anxiety and depression to kind of really sh- start showing for me in middle school middle school, high school time, um, where it really manifested in eating issues for me. I was borderline anorexic for a while um, and really just didn't know why I was over-exercising, under-eating, thought I was trying to reach this perfect, perfect look, you know, that what a lot of people kind of strive for, but it kind of got out of proportion where I was comparing myself to everybody else, asking other people what their diets and workout regimens were. And just Mm. my whole day was around what was my next meal? What was I going to eat? What did I previously eat? What were people around me eating? Could I eat what they ate? All of those things. And then, um, you know, it really got, the depression really took over in college. Um, I had some suicidal ideation in college um, and ended up commuting to college. And Uh, which was like a 45 minute to an hour commute every single day, but it was the only way that I was going to get through. And that's really where I started therapy as well was in college and OCD was mentioned for one time in a session and never spoken about again. So it was like those three letters popped up and never were spoken about again. And then um, I was obsessing about my sexuality for a while and ended up getting into well, backtrack, I, everybody I saw, I would question if I was attracted to them or not. And it was a constant thought in my head, in the back of my head, who am I attracted to? Who do I want to be with? Um, is it a guy? Is it a girl? All of those things. Um, and then I ended up getting into my first serious relationship. It was a same sex relationship and it on both ends of sexuality and relationship OCD, just you know, knocked me over the head. And that was four years ago. So from, you know, 10 years ago to four years ago, where I was actually diagnosed properly, um, when I moved to California, actually, and was able to finally reach out to a specialist and get the help because I had a diagnosis. So yes, it took me a long time, a lot of learning, a lot of struggle. And a lot of, I would say, inaccurate, I don't want to say failed, but a lot of uh, inaccurate 
therapy sessions and therapists to properly get a diagnosis. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. It's such a common tale that number one, it takes a long time for many people to get diagnosed. And, and number two, if you do get diagnosed, then many people end up working with the wrong kind of, the wrong kind of person still. Uh, so that you don't necessarily get the right help, you know, like talk therapy or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I did a lot of that. And it was, <laughs> let me talk to you for whatever the hour was, and then I'll leave and I'll feel good for, you know, typical OCD stuff where you get that temporary reassurance, uh, reassurance mm -hmm. and you're good. And then an hour later, you're right back to where you were. Yeah. And I kept going back to that because it's an anxiety disorder, right? So if you show signs of anxiety, they're going to work with you on anxiety and like lifestyle changes or certain things that will just typically help with anxiety, but don't, isn't OCD treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, okay. And you're also mentioning there about the difficulties, you know, of, of being a young person, um, and struggling with, you know, body image and, 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 and these kinds of, these kinds of things. And I know this is a, you know, a really growing uh, problem as well, you know, with, with Instagram and other social media where, you know, young people are seeing you know, images of, you know, perfect looking models all the time. And, you know, you know people's pictures are, are being changed. And it's, oh, yeah. very, it's a very difficult uh, time, I think, for young people growing up and, and dealing with these things. And it really does seem to be like a bit of a, you know, like depending on, on which kind of media you read, but it does seem to be a kind of an ep epidemic really of anxiety amongst young people, you know, related. No, it's, it's horrible. I mean, the comparison thing itself is horrible. And I think so many people chase what they think those people feel in terms of, you know, fame and happiness and they're on top of the world when you hear from a lot of these people and they're probably some of the most unhappy people because of what they have to go through to look like that yeah or yeah. what they're perceived to look like you know it was oh only if only I look like that person I will be as happy as that person or my life will fit the tip like whatever I imagined it to look like mm -hmm. and it was so just forgetting who I was and trying to be somebody else and that's what a lot of unfortunately a lot of young people are going through I don't even want to say that it's females only because I don't think it is you know yeah. a lot of people are stuck in that well so and so has so many likes and so many followers I need to be like them and forgetting about who you are and you're not able to present yourself in the world as anybody but who you think you should be which is such a dangerous thing absolutely yeah and, and that person who has all the has all the likes and you know is doing really well on social media they might not actually be like the world's best person you know they might be doing you know like being horrible to people or kind of you know like not actually being that great but because they look great then people want to be like them and it's right. uh, and often i mean often their accounts are fabricated anyways so it's like what are you striving to and why are you striving to be that at the end of the day is the biggest question like who, who are you looking for the approval of is really like, or approval from, like, that's my question to a lot of people mm -hmm. is so many of those people you don't even know that you're looking for approval from and for what? Yeah, it's, it, it's so frustrating. It really is. I mean, we go on to, to social media to connect and to, you know, to kind of uh, hopefully, you know, like build, build our relationships with people. Right. And, 
Um, but unfortunately, you know, social media seems to be, you know, kind of causing people to struggle socially, you know, from too much social media use. Yeah, a lot of my work was very, uh, becoming introspective and becoming self-aware. And I started to notice the negative impact that social media was having on me. Mm. So, you know, one, I would take steps back, but also I kind of asked myself, what can I put out there that will positively impact other people rather than saying, uh, look at what I'm doing and making people feel what I felt, which was, I'm not doing what that person's doing. And I feel worse about myself, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a it's very difficult to navigate, and uh, you know I think as a, as a society we need to work out more about you know, about how we can help young people to to navigate this in a better way because perhaps right now we're not doing the best job of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay, and so um, you know moving back to your, your your story, so you kind of you, you struggled for for you know ten years with this, and then you did finally find your your therapist what was that like when you finally found the right therapist oh my god amazing <laughs> amazing i i breathed the biggest sigh of relief and you know i had been i had seen in california i had seen a doctoral student who was working under a specialist and i just i knew i wasn't getting the right treatment even though i was with a specialist so i ended up moving back home anyways and i said i always set up therapy wherever I was. Um, so I called a therapist beforehand. I said, who's an OCD specialist in New Haven, Connecticut, um, found this therapist and I had, was not in the relationship anymore. I had, you know, we'll probably get into it, but I had caused from what I felt caused the downfall of the relationship with my OCD. And I was, so I was in a spiral of that plus just yeah. depression and heartbreak. So it was like, needing somebody so badly and saying if i just cause this i need to figure out why i need to get better because i don't want this to happen again mm -hmm. and when i sat down in this lady's chair it was you know 10 years of the wrong therapist for that day of the right one where she could literally finish my sentences wow. and was basically like okay you could go on forever with your story and i i get it so i don't want you to keep like stop talking basically yeah. and i was like oh, okay we're gonna stop talking now but it was it was like this is this is gonna be something that you've never done before it's gonna be hard um you know you have to we have to control the anxiety first and then we can start peeling back these layers but this is classic like you know you're you must have caused havoc in your relationship and i was like yeah, so help me. But it was like, it was, it was great. You know, there are a lot of people that feel shame with diagnoses. And I, I was just honestly relieved to have something tangible to say, this is what was going on, because it's a battle in OCD, you're battling your heart and your mind. And, you know, I knew who I like, who I was trying to be or what I was struggling with. And it was just so like, so relieving to get somebody to say, this is what it is and this is how we're going to work on it yeah 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 absolutely and so and so what was the approach was it the uh, the standard kind of erp approach that she took yeah so um first it was 
you know, I was taking medication. So first it was, what is your dosage? And we have to get the anxiety at bay before we even can peel back layers or otherwise everything we talk about is going to continue to trigger you. Yeah. And I understood that, you know, right away it was just learning the OCD cycle, the trigger, the reassurance, keeping yourself in that cycle. I was no longer in the relationship. So it added a different layer of, um, I couldn't physically be in those triggering situations. Mm -hmm. So I had to think about what used to, what would cause me anxiety and what was triggering me. So it was a little bit more challenging, but it was classic uh, ERP scripting, flooding, um, those types of things, because a lot of mine was rumination. It was, you know, I didn't really have many physical symptoms at all. So it was, it was all in my head. Um, and so I had to learn how to trigger myself basically. And that's, you know, that's what people fear with ERP, but it makes sense if you think about it. So yeah, we, we kind of talked about what are your obsessions? Um, you know, let's work on those. And then we started to peel back layers of where they came from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned there that it was, uh, you know, it was, it was fairly difficult uh, at first to kind of do these uh, ERPs. So how did you kind of push yourself? Because it's not easy, you know, yeah. like, to, to read a really difficult script, you know, for, and expose yourself to, to that anxiety. Um, it is not easy. And obviously, you know, by doing it, you can learn how to accept that that fear, how to kind of, you know, how to explore that fear and be okay with the discomfort it gives you. So how did you go about doing doing that? So I think a lot of it for me was understanding why I was doing it. Um, and the idea behind when you avoid certain feelings, they only get stronger. So the idea of for a lot of people, it terrifies people to face what they're scared of, obviously, you know, but it makes sense if you think about if I can face these thoughts, then they become less relevant to me. Um, it's similar to meditation, you know, watching those thoughts go by without attaching to them. And obviously that simplifies it for OCD. I, I, I know that. Um, for me, it was the pain that I was in was just so overbearing that I was willing to try it. You know, I, I, uh, ended up recording myself saying these things. That was the way that it triggered me the most because I, yeah, that's a really good way of doing it. I I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I don't don't like it. I can't say I like it. (laughs) It was the most effective. (laughs) Um, writing it down didn't really help me. Um, I have, you know, I have pages in my journal of like rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting all of these things until it got boring. And that was the idea behind it. Um, but recording myself and listening to the recording was the hardest. And I would go and sit in empty parking lots and listen to these recordings. And that's what I would do. I would carve out, you know, I was in therapy for a reason. I was paying $200 a session with my therapist. I was like, you know, she's a specialist. She's on the board at Yale. Like, let me trust this. Um, let me try it. Nothing else has worked for 10 years. I know this is going to be hard. Um, but you know, the idea behind 
working with a specialist, allowing the anxiety to increase, understanding the anxiety will increase when I'm doing these, this ERP, but understanding that it will decrease too was the idea of like, okay, I might, you know, I'll, I can do this. Let me just try it. Let me see how it goes. Um, like, like anything, it takes time with these things. Um, and it was, I mean, it, it was really my pain that fueled it. I didn't want this to happen again. Um, I had lost somebody that I wanted everything with, and I just needed to figure out why, why that was happening. And that was really, that was really what fueled me. Um, and I think if you can, even those moments that you feel separate from your thoughts are enough to really be, understand that they're not you. And so if anything that can give you the, the confidence and the courage to try something new, and that's what it is. The ERP is something new, you know, it's something that is scary, but oftentimes, you know, facing those fears are what we need to do to get over them or through them. I would say not even over them it's through them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic that you were able to do that. And I think it's really, uh, really encouraging you know, to hear that, you know, if you, if you do go into the therapy, you know, that these treatments do work. Um, yes. You know, so if you are really struggling, there, are, there is a way through. And, yes. you know, and you can't rush it. You can't rush that way through, you know, yeah. that's yeah. the biggest thing. It's, it's so much patience and just allowing those feelings to be there. And it's not going to happen overnight. You know, you might, you might have to do it multiple times with the same thought, behavior, whatever you're working on um, for that anxiety to decrease. And um, it's, but it does work. It really does work. And, um, you know, working with somebody who's trained in it is something I highly suggest for sure. Yeah, yeah I think it's, uh, for, for me, the way I view OCD is basically, a very bad habit that you've somehow fallen into a bad habit of thinking yeah it's um you know when we see everything in in, in black and, you know black or white and we we uh you know catastrophize things and yep. uh these are all like cbt terms you know but it's kind right. of uh you know this this is what we do and it's just a, a really bad habit of, of mind that we've somehow fallen into and you yeah. can change any habit though, and that's that's the good thing. But it, like you were just saying, changing a habit takes consistent practice. You know, a little bit of practice every day over yeah. a same period of time, right? And and you will see a difference. It's yeah. like one hundred percent. I mean, nobody likes to ask anybody, and then nobody likes to live this way. You know, it's it, but it's just feeling trapped in that and. The other thing, thing is that these feelings come from somewhere. So the only way to really understand that is to decrease the emotion that is attached to them. And you might know they're irrelevant. And that is, if that is your fuel for moving forward and saying, I don't know where this comes from, like, I know it's totally crazy, then that could be your courage to really just figuring out why you're feeling that way. If you know that it is irrelevant and where, what you're doing with the thought is irrational, you know, and that's often what people understand is that rationally and logically we're like, okay, I know my house, you know, my stove is off, you know, I checked it. Yeah. But for some reason, deep down, there's a fear of something 
that's causing you to continuously check it. You yeah. Know? And, and, but also deep down, there is, there's, you know, that it's, that it's okay. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's the, the, these kind of, these two forces that are kind of pushing against each other. Like, right. like you're saying, you know, logically, but also apart from like logically, you have to sense deep down in your gut that you yeah. don't need to do this thing. Right. Like, right. And I think a lot of it, especially for me with relationship OCD was tied to my values. So, and that's where I started to battle myself because if I thought someone else was attractive, I thought I was being, you know, unfaithful by thinking somebody else was attractive, but not my partner not even that, you know, my partner wasn't attractive, but the fact that I thought somebody else was attractive was like, oh my God, am I not supposed to be with this person? I'm being unfaithful. I should never have these thoughts. I need to break up with my partner, you know? And it was, it was all of this. And then I would ask people, I'm like, do you think, do you find other people attractive? Like all of these things of trying to justify how I felt when I know it, it was, it's okay to like, you know, say so-and-so is good looking and still be faithful to your own partner yeah it's a lack of flexible thinking and, uh, right it's yeah. black and white yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it's really tricky it's, it's really tricky but um yeah. okay so just out of interest like uh you know a, a time frame so you may not be able to say exactly but like more or less like how long did it kind of take you to start really noticing like the benefits of the work that you were doing that's a great question. I would say um, about, a, honestly, a couple, like six months in, I was noticing differences in how I was thinking because I started to ask my therapist, what do I think about when I'm not thinking about this? Yeah. And she's like, that tells me that you're getting better. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I was also diligent with the work I was doing, you know? So then I was able to dig into, you know, certain peeling back certain layers of where this came from and like really digging into my identity. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a year, a year and a half, I would say I really started to feel differently. Um, and I was approaching life in a different way of just being more secure in who I was. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of, of uh, insecurity with who I was and feeling like I needed to be somebody else. Um, so I started to really just look at those behaviors and put it next to who I knew myself to be and my values. So I would say, you know, six months to a year with the ERP stuff, and then probably a year to a year and a half, just like overall better. Um, and two years was really like the turning point where I started to go monthly to therapy instead of weekly. Um, and yeah. spread it out a little bit thinner of yeah. I learned, you know, how to deal with certain triggers or how to separate my emotions to find where certain feelings were coming from yeah. on my own. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. And um, you mentioned uh, a few times there, values. And uh, values, yeah. I think, is something that, uh, you know, very important to, to me and the coaching work I do, which is based on acceptance commitment therapy. And, you know, values are one of the cornerstones of, of, that, of that kind of approach. Um, so you kind of, you used values in, 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 your, in your treatment process. Were they kind of, you know, did you try to keep those in the forefront of your mind, you know, when you were yeah. finding things really difficult? How did you try to, to use values to keep you on track? My, so OCD hits you where it matters the most to you. 
And I think that that's a key thing for a lot of people to understand. There is a value that's being threatened within you. Um, there's a part of you that feels like it's being threatened. And that is, you know, relationships are one of my highest values, connecting with people. So it, it makes sense as to why that would have hit me when I felt love I had never felt before. And that was something that meant a lot to me. So um, a lot of once I was over or better with the anxiety and the triggers, I could then say, okay, who do I know myself to be? Who are, what are my values in life? And how do I live according to those values? Because a lot of the pain that we feel and the struggle that we feel is when we're living in a way that's not congruent with our values. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get friction. And that's where we get um, comparison and trying to be somebody that we're just not. And it, I think, you know, you talked on ACT and acceptance commitment therapy, and it's accepting who you are and looking at your values. So a lot of time with my therapist, it was, okay, who is Laura? Like, what are your, you know, characteristics, qualities, values in life? And perhaps what, what is this trigger threatening for you? You know, what, what is imbalance? What is off balance here? Um, and how do we get it back on balance living according to your values? So it came up a lot as in who I want to present myself to be, who I know myself to be, and living according to my values so that I wasn't feeling the, the friction that I was feeling. Because mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of it comes from is, you know, when you're not living according to who you know yourself to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, the word congruence is so important. Yeah. It is yeah, like like you were just saying there. When you when your values and your actions are aligned, you you feel more relaxed. Yeah. You feel more content in the evening when you go yeah. to you wake up in the morning more kind of ready for the day. Yeah. Right. And so so these are incredibly important things. It's not going to cure OCD on its own, but no. it makes the approach to to dealing with it uh, much much easier, I think. Yeah, I would say it makes a lot of the emotions around it much less because and I will say that living according to your values takes adjustment because there are going to be people for me specifically, there were people that, that also didn't align with my values that I had to reevaluate being in my life or putting boundaries up or something like that, where I, you know, felt that I needed people in my life because I wasn't secure with who I was living according to my values. And once I started to look at that and adjust my actions to being more in line with my values certain people stayed and certain people didn't and i had to be okay with that so there, there's like emotions that come along with it as well of just you know reassessing there's um you know you could feel lonely for a while of just trying to figure things out while you reassess but yeah. at the end of the day it's you're living your life for, for you and you need to be content with it and i think a lot of what's happening with ocd is that you're not living according to you know who you know yourself to be and it's causing a lot of friction you know friction absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely okay and then um and then you kind of you know you you've decided to, to train as a, as a life coach yeah you know was that in part inspired by your by your experiences it definitely was yeah i so i started as a nutrition coach and i was doing a lot of work with clients where I noticed I wasn't even talking about food because I was like, you know, what's healthy, what's not. There's a reason that you're not eating, you know, healthfully or putting yourself first. Mm -hmm. What has 
what is the core of that issue? Where does that come from? And a lot of what I was doing was just helping other people peel back layers. And that was even before I got my own help. So it was, then I got my own help and I really saw the value in it and developed tools to help other people. So I, you know, I started writing about my experience. Um, other people were reading it. I heard from other people and I started helping them based on my experience, just as a, you know, basically as a patient, um, not claiming to be anybody or a therapist, but just saying, this is what I experienced. You might want to think about it this way. Make sure you're working with somebody. Um, but just being that person. And I started to really develop a love for it and develop a, a knack for helping people see the the outside and the shell of what they were going through, not just what the emotion was. Yeah. Um, and saying, hey, you're going to feel this way. but take a step back for me, you know? And so really just approaching it and taking each person one by one. There are people I still talk to to this day. Um, I started blogging, you know, and I got reach outs from other people. And I, I thought about a career in counseling for a while. Um, but ultimately I went with a life coach thing just as being a way more generic uh, demographic that I could work with and not narrowing myself only into OCD or whatever it was. Cause I do think a lot of the, a lot of the themes are similar, um, among a lot of people who struggle. So there's just different sides of the spectrum that you struggle on, but a lot of it is based on anxiety or based on comparison or based on, you know, these themes that we see. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got the life coach cert and really just started to put more of my story out there and see who I could, who I could help. So, you know, I do have a full-time job as well, but I'm passionate about turning, you know, helping people through their pain, understanding the pain that I felt. Okay, great. And, uh, and so this, um, this uh, life, lifestyle uh, health app that you, you work for, can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yes. So um, I work for a company called Task Human, and it's one-on-one it's -on -one uh, video-based coaching for anything self-care related. So you can go in and type, you know, I feel angry and you'll find coaches who can help you with anger management. There's no therapists. Um, there's no doctors. It's really self-care. So a lot of what I did with OCD treatment was, you know, fitness is really important to me. Eating healthy is really important to me. I developed meditation practices and, you know, being outside and feeling what things I needed to do for self-care and, those things are so, so, so important in treatment. So I started, you know, I really attached to how to make self-care and wellness scalable. And so I got into the digital health space. And so we do, you know, we, we work a lot with companies and we roll out wellness programs for employees and give people access to one-on-one, -on -one, you know, think of FaceTime and Uber together where you can get a coach basically on demand or at, at your fingertips for anything you want. So wow. that's really what we do. Yeah. You can go on and type yeah. in what you want and there are coaches available ready to chat. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. And um, you were mentioning, you were mentioning that as, as well about kind of the things that keep you feeling good in, in the yeah. long term, the things that help you to, to manage the anxiety and, and stay in a positive place. What have you found has been like, you know, like the, the best things for you in, in regards to that? Number one, um, I mean, fitness is always something, a constant in my life. So it's, 
it's a balance of fitness stuff. So being outside has been a huge thing for me of just feeling grounded to, to nature and knowing who you are um, and what really drives you. So working out every day, um, but journaling became like one of my critical pieces. I journal every morning. Um, it was like my best friend through therapy. I will tell you that of coming to therapy with, Hey, this is the trigger that I faced this week. This is where I think it's coming from. These were the emotions that were around it. Can we dive into this? Yeah. You know, so it was, and it was, you know, a lot of people can feel fear of journaling because the feelings get real when you write them down. But I challenge you to think they're real enough if they're in your head. So better you can learn from patterns when you write them down and say, hey, I remember writing this before. Where is this coming from? And that's really what helped me. So yeah. I would say, you know, journaling and fitness um, and then just being around people that I truly, you know, just click with and don't have to be somebody else around. Um, so my family and close friends. Um, but those three things I would say are like, the the biggest things that got me i did a lot of the work on myself on my own um and i didn't i tried not to lean too much on people um but at the end of the day even like now going forward in like the recovery phase fitness journaling and just like being around good people um is what fills my soul yeah i think that's a really important message i know uh i know for me i'm very much into the outdoors and so yeah just being outdoors just makes me feel better. I didn't yeah. do anything. It's just, you know, go in, go up to the mountains or something and I feel better. Exactly. Um, but also I'm really into kind of outdoor sports. So like mountain biking and like running and like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, the combination of being outdoors and doing something like that, I find is like particularly helpful. Totally. Uh, but also what you are saying there, I mean, I don't, I don't regularly, uh, you know, uh, journal. Uh, I do occasionally journal, yeah. Uh, but I, it's something that I do. I do say to clients, it's really worth doing, uh, particularly at the start of you know working with OCD or anxiety problems, because, like you just said, so many of the issues that we're experiencing are repetitive. They yeah. might have a different theme, but yeah. ultimately, underneath, it's it's still the same pattern you know, of, of what's going on. And if you yeah. can recognize that, and if you can relate one kind of particular worry to another, then you, you know, you're on your way to solving, solving the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're leaning on your memory for a lot of things. And if you're going weekly, I, you know, I can't remember six days worth of thoughts, to be honest. It's like, there's too many of them. My first assignment in therapy was write down a day's worth of thoughts. And that was like, yeah, it was insane, but it was so it was such a clear picture on what was going on, you know? And it's like you're living in your head thinking that that's the norm because that's who, where you live every day. But then you start to write these things down and you see, like, cer again, certain themes. You know, the trigger might be different. The feeling around it might be different. The thought pattern behind it might be different. But the theme and the core issue is the same and it's manifesting in different ways. So I, you know, I can't stress it enough. It was something that helped me so much. And I... You know, I tell that to everybody that I talk to, um, even if you don't struggle with OCD, it's just, it's just so helpful. It's, it was almost like meditation and yoga for me of just a cleansing and decluttering of, of the mind and the soul. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me of the, uh, the book, The Artist Way, where they have this thing called morning pages. Where yeah. It's like, just wake up in the morning. It doesn't matter what's on your mind. Just write it down. Yeah. Like, 
don't even think about it. Just get it yeah. down. You know? Yes, I love that. It helps. I love that because I have a friend who, you know, I have some people who are just like, but I don't know how to journal. I'm like, you, there's no one way to journal. Put the pen on the paper. You're going to write something. Whether it's high, you know, you'll just start writing from there. There's no one way, but that's just a way to stop yourself from trying, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's like when you're, when you're starting to write an essay or something, yeah. you know, like you have no idea. Like when you're, you're sat there and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to start this? And then you do actually start. And before you know it, you've written like two paragraphs and you're like, exactly. oh. Like, <laughs> and now you have a direction of where you're going in and yeah. you can really see. Yeah. So, um, you know, during therapy, if I could say one thing, it was journaling and, uh, journaling and fitness that kept me, kept me going. Okay. And, uh, and kind of, you know, now that we're on the theme of, of writing, you also have a, a blog that people can, can check out. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so Sarah Toning is my blog, kind of combining, you know, the idea of serotonin and toning up your, your mind. Um, and, you know, I was doing a lot of work on OCD, a lot of writing and reflecting. Um, I've turned a lot into videos now, so I'm posting there. Um, people can reach out to me that way as well and just have conversation. Um, you know, I do offer free consultations. So there's just like, you can, you can email me whatever you want. Um, but I try to, I try to be as vulnerable and as, as real as I can be, because I think that's what people really need. Um, and OCD is such a niche group as it is. So I think that, you know, the more people can share their story and share, especially recovery stories to really just inspire people. Um, that's, it was so transformational for me that I really just wanted to start sharing it with other people and trying to help and pay it forward. Yeah. Okay. And if you could give, you know, one piece of advice to people who, who struggle with, with OCD, what, what would that piece of advice be? It would be that um, it doesn't make you less of who you are. It makes you more of who you are. And I think that, that you can take it as many ways as you want. Um, I could go the traditional route of like, you know, be courageous and just try. But I think if you were some of the most caring people in the world, and I think that that's really why we struggle so much because we want to feel a certain way and we're battling, like I said, our mind is battling our hearts. And if you can really take the courage to find the help and try, it will uncover so many parts to you that you have been missing that you don't even know you're missing. And it will make you so much more of yourself than less of yourself because you have the opportunity with the help of somebody else to really dig into why you're struggling and become the person that you know yourself to be. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's brilliant. I, I, I really relate to that and yeah. uh, fantastic. It's really how I felt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, Laura, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic <laughs> talking to you. This is fun, thank you very much and thank you for doing what you're doing. Remember, if you want to know more about me, you can check me out on Instagram, Robert James Coaching UK. You can go and join the Facebook group if you like, the Robert James Coaching Anxiety and OCD Support Group. And also you can check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, 
or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.